0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Spotlight On, presented by Osiris Media. I'm your host, Lawrence Perrier. Today, the spotlight shines on musicians Bart Wirtz and Emil von Reichhoven, who together perform and record under the name Vaughn which is Dutch for craze. Vaughn have a new record, Echo Echo, out on February 24th through the Sonar Collective label. As of this recording, three tracks have already appeared in streaming outlets and through the band's Bandcamp page. In fact, just hours before we spoke, the final advanced track only dropped. If you're a fan of Floating Points, Bad Bad Not Good, Ezra Collective, or any of the other modern artists making jazz more electronic or making electronic music more improvisational, Bon is for you. I hope you enjoy our talk and you check out their music.
1: Where are each of you? I'm in Utrecht. It's a city in the middle of Holland. The Netherlands, Should I, I should say. I've been there. Oh yeah, in Utrecht, in my city? Yeah, on a, on a Benelux pass. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Oh, oh yeah, you guys do, do the whole Benelux in, in a few days. Yeah, I took about
0: a week. Started in Amsterdam, you know, went through Luxembourg, Bruges. Everything It was wonderful, wonderful. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, those cities are great. Yeah, I'm in Leiden. That's like a, a beautiful city in the just between uh, Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Does the train go through Leiden as well? Because that sounds familiar. Right, right. It does. It does. It's it used to be a uh, a big city. It used to be the, uh, the birth city of of Rembrandt, mm. and that's got a got quite. Famous university, but now compared to the other cities and Utrecht and Rotterdam, Amsterdam is quite small. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fine here. We we got our studio where we recorded everything, so it's a nice place. Wonderful. Yeah, we're about forty minutes
1: apart from each other. So I'm driving uh, most of the time to his studio, and then we work together.
0: Are you in a studio as well? I see the I see some equipment behind you.
1: It's my home studio with my piano, my organ, my vintage synthesizer and too much gear. It's beautiful. It's fun. I'd never leave. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm here a lot. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So as fate would have it, a new song came out today. Earlier today, I noticed it showed up in my Spotify, which was wonderful. So I've spent the last few hours immersed in your world.
1: (laughs) Hours. Wow. That's a big compliment. Thanks. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've enjoyed it so much. Every once in a while I come across some music that feels as though it was designed specifically with me in mind, and your music does that. Sort of it's very irresistible music that's at that intersection of what's been going on in jazz as well as what's been going on with electronic music. And as a long-time jazz fan, it's such an exciting time. Like I feel like jazz is having a moment it certainly hasn't had in my adult lifetime in terms of how it's it's touching mainstream music and whether that's through hip hop or electronic music. And I wonder,
2: do you perceive that at all as, as creators? Yeah, this is such a big compliment and it almost really, it really gets to me because we've been working on this, this record for almost six years. And these six years were not only working in the studio, but it has all had also to do with, with all these things, the, the exploration of all these different styles and, looking for our musical identity, actually. And uh, we've been playing for quite some time. We've been talking a lot about, yeah, what do we want? And what is the, the closest we can get to our personalities? And and once you take that journey, you come across all the different styles and genres. And like you just saw on, on video, Emil has a huge amount of vintage synthesizers. So I have a big studio with lots of analog gear. So... What you described in two sentences is like the bottom line of what I'm trying to explain in a much longer story. But I mean, you're right. It's it's very interesting to, to bring together all these worlds of electronics and, and also improvisation. And our uh, producer, uh, Oscar de Jong, he was like constantly saying, guys, don't forget to play because playing and where we come from like improvisation, connecting with each other. That's the most important thing of jazz. And that's where we were born.
1: Yeah, that's great to have because the, the producer, the not-jazz guy, reminded us to not forget.
0: <laughs> I was curious about the role of a producer. You you sort of jumped you jumped to that rather quickly. And it's interesting to me because I, I have some process questions, actually, about how you work. So if you don't mind, I I don't mean to deconstruct what you do, but... I'm very intrigued. In, in the type of work you have wound up creating, what is the role of the producer?
1: Yeah, he came in later. So we, the two of us made the first progression on the songs, on the different songs. And later on, he, he, Oscar came in and started interfere with our music and really in a, in a super honest way. So he's really saying really bland, like, this is great. This sucks. I don't like it and in such a way that we could argue with and he sometimes he turned around like oh yeah yeah okay I do like it and and so he he's really he was really rigid and that helped us a lot that's what we wanted everybody wants a producer who is really going into the into the stuff and not of of
2: hurting someone's feelings yeah and at the same time we share this the same studio so and he's coming from this electronic dance stuff so but he has Big knowledge of old jazz records, so he said, "Yeah, this reminds me of this record with Eric Dolphy and uh, Oliver Nelson. Let's go into that." So th- this was really nice. Somebody, yeah, helping us out with a broader view than just can we play an F over C major sharp eleven chord, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Sometimes giving direction a bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. That that's what I. That's that's sort of where I wanted to tease out a little bit was. When you say, you know, he likes something, he doesn't like something, there's lots of different types of roles a producer can play in the crafting of a sound or the crafting of an album. And it sounds like as part of the journey you went on, did you reach a point where you needed somebody to come in to help you get there? If you, you know, you mentioned the six year long sort of exploration of who you were together. Did you reach a point where you needed
1: that?
2: Huh, that's a good one. My first reaction would be, I, I don't think so. It just happened. That's why we all also said, produced by Van and Oscar, because we were already taking those steps and it was like not more than logical that Oscar just joined us and he did so much more work, so much more time than we could ever pay him. So <laughs> this is like it's kind of on base of a friendship, musical brotherhood, something like this. We could have done it
1: with the two of us. We could have, but... I really don't know how it would have sounded or what it would have been, but he, uh, he blended in just fine. It was super nice.
0: To just ask a little bit more along the the process lines, am I correct in when I read that essentially you recorded as an ensemble, improvised, you know, you recorded the works, and then the two of you sort of came in and did more production over it, sounds, electronics, is that, could you yeah. take me through that a little bit? Do you want to
1: describe it, Bart? Because it was uh, also for you a personal journey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we started out playing in, uh, in my group like six years ago. was my record under my own name. And then I thought, okay, I want to start a group because I want to explore more this field of electronic music and acoustic music and combining it in a good way. seemed to me to form a band to adapt an, a name that is not mine. This was a, a transition that took some time, and then Emil and I finally decided, okay, throw everything away. We start. We started at point zero, and then we ha- had some ideas already. So we made these uh, demos, and with these demos in mind, that changed like some tunes that changed five, six times. Yeah, but I want to interrupt you. But that was because we
1: started out as a sort of idea to do as a collective, as a band. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then we recorded some stopped already in the process we decided okay this is not going to work because everybody had different agendas and we're not really
2: uh... on the same page
1: yeah not re- exactly not really on the same page so we kept those recordings and with some of those songs we progressed along with the two of us like we changed to a duo to be more powerful and more
2: productive and
1: more yeah it's easier to decide stuff
2: yeah then we so we then we changed from changing things with the two of us and then we thought okay we need another couple of sessions and we invited some other musicians in the studio and we did some other some other sessions and a couple of tunes came out real like joyful and playful because of that we just were free to play and finally knew what direction we wanted to go the first ones were more of a battle but you don't
1: hear it in the end
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you do you disclose in the record which ones came when, or is that up to the listener to figure <laughs> out? <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I supposed
2: it's up to you, I guess. <laughs>
1: they,
2: they change, the funny thing is that changes all the time during a process, because we wrote one tune, we wrote it like in a day, in opposite to other tracks that took us four years. Those tunes, they, they came out pretty nice, and then during the mixing process, there was also like some struggling, and then... It turned out to be just fine, you know. It, it, it changes constantly in the process. So, one moment you think this is the this is the killer track of the album, we're gonna number one hit single, and then another moment it's another it's another track. So that, that changes.
0: Yeah. Just so I get it right, how do you pronounce the
1: band name? It's called Van. 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 It's Van. The, yeah, we wanted a name that was a little a little bit of Europe sounding in in the name. So a lot of bands in the in the Netherlands are taking on English names, and that's nice. But re- I'm proud of the the Dutch jazz and uh, and the Europe, European jazz as as a next to the American jazz. Now, yeah, it's a different flavor, different sound, and I'm very proud of it. So that's why I wanted such a name. That's wonderful. Yeah,
0: would you mind exploring that a little bit and telling me about? If you can if it's possible, how would you identify the differences in sound or what would you attribute it to is there is there a thing
1: yeah
2: I think we talked about it Bart didn't we yeah yeah we did I think it, it all started with well let me let me talk because it's hard to to talk for you Emil but for me personally I started playing saxophone because of the records of cannibal elite John Coltrane Arthur Blythe my 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 father had a big record collection. He was a valve trombone player. So it automatically yeah, got to me and started playing jazz. When I went to the conservatory, that, that that's the college for music here, I wanted to study jazz and nothing but it. And then when I came there, I was before actually in high school, I was playing with some funk groups and also a group with a native language the dutch language as a now you know what i mean <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah so this this was the all these these influences came to me when i was at conservatory and then my interest started in okay what's what's my identity and what's my my thing and then one of my first records i went to the states to play with my heroes nicholas payton on trumpet kendrick scott on drums richie goods bass and Xavier davis and this was like a dream come true. And then when we were done, I learned so much and also took so much of the the energy of these American musicians that, yeah, that, that really made me a better player and understood more about music. And then I started thinking, okay, what's my role in this? And with friends from Leiden being the most famous electronic DJs of the world, I thought, yeah, this is also part of my world. So That that took my interest in in combining those things. That still doesn't explain the difference in European jazz styles and American, but I'm just wanting to explain that where you grow up obviously forms you as a musician. That makes a lot of sense.
0: We'll be back with more Spotlight On, presented by Osiris Media after this break. And now, back to Spotlight On. Are you finding now... Or let me actually ask this differently. If we do accept this idea that jazz music has started to reach into these other areas like hip hop and electronic, do you see that with the faces in the crowd? Are you playing in rock clubs? Are you playing in those types of environments? Or are you still playing primarily jazz venues, jazz audience? Or do you not even think about audience that way? That That's something I'm really
2: curious about. We do. One of the... The goals this time was like we set a goal and it was like playing lowlands, which is a really big, one of the biggest indie dance everything festivals here in in the Netherlands. And we said, like we want to play Lowlands and North Sea Jazz Festival because we usually when we have a new album uh, that's really nice about this North Sea Jazz Festival, they invite a lot of Dutch musicians, so they give them a chance to play on nice stages and for big crowd. So but this is one of the the goals we set, like this is a dream we wanna do and and that that was not because if we don't play low, if we don't get a chance to play low and dance whatever, but it's a good goal for us to go a good direction in musically uh, musical wise and also for the audience has a little bit younger audience audience that is still very interested in live music, but you cannot reach by playing in mainly jazz venues. That's one thing I'm a little bit stuck in the
1: middle because there's the jazz venues with the jazz. We are a bit too electronic. Some venues tend to, to say that we are a bit too electronic for their club. And the, sometimes the, the pop or rock venues are, are a bit hesitant because it's uh, too jazzy. Yeah, and we're new. So we're trying a new direction. Before, we only played in the jazz clubs and
2: the jazz festivals. Uh, we now want to make the, make the jump, but I hope, I hope. Yeah. And also the la- label uh, sonar is, is, is more rooted in electronic music, which can really help because we get to meet new people like you, for instance, <laughs> but also like different ways. It's very, very exciting. Are there
0: other artists whose path and progression along those same lines you admire? Like I I saw in some of the material you mentioned, Bad, Bad, Not Good. I think Ezra Collective, maybe even Donnie McCaslin. You know, are these, are these people who you're watching kind of forge a path for a group like yours who can transcend
1: the genre? Yeah, of course. And uh, and also more and more venues and festivals are sitting in the middle. More and more are coming. Yeah. So that's that, that's definitely a valence. And young audience is coming and uh, that's so,
2: that's great. Yeah. Yeah, We have this like inspiration list and we send each other in the, in the group. We send each other inspirational music list. Yeah. And we went to Hi Coyote, for instance, with the, with the three of us. Then the other day we listened to Floating Points, the English DJ who does a lot of crossover and crazy stuff. And then we go from, yeah, Bad, Bad, Not Good to Belgian bands, for instance, which have a very vivid jazz scene with, with the stuff and, and more of those groups. Yeah, it's it's happening everywhere and it's really interesting. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with
0: stuff, but in the last, like, two weeks, their name has come up multiple times. So I feel like I need to dig in. Yeah, I
2: heard they're going to do their last tour, but I'm I'm not sure if I'm now being dutch tabloid style doing that stuff but that's what i heard
0: oh wow well it's just like me to get in at the end so um <laughs> yeah 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 last chance yeah can you can you tell me a little bit about how you are thinking about presenting this music live you know i watched the videos that you've posted from the studio and the the close filming and being having the camera eye in the middle of the action made it very exciting and I wonder how you're thinking about bringing this in a live context. Can you do it? Can you realize your vision live the same way you can in the studio?
1: Yeah, actually, yes. And it's also, again, a, a process. The band is new. So the guys who play who are playing live with us are Mark, Silvestre, and Matteo Matsu. And that's the drummer and the bass player. And we're just getting to know each other, like, playing-wise. But they're so good. So the... The level we get in is like, already, it sounds great for us. I'm very happy with it, with the way it sounds already. And also, yeah, what's the thing? We are doing a lot of electronic stuff combined with playing jazz. So we would, we didn't want to be a slave of the computer. So there's no backing track. So there we, we, are, we are not playing long. So all, we are all playing the sounds the different sounds to match the sound of the produced album so we're we are really trying to let people hear live the same kind of sound image the same sound that they hear on the album but we're also now realizing we have to play again play more not forget to to play and have fun and and we're still a bit trying to get on top of it you know yeah
2: Yeah. And let's not forget that Emil is really like a technical wonder and he is like the mother of band because he owns his whole mothership with Ableton and we are all connected to him. So we play, uh, we all have MIDI connected to Emil's computer. There are samples. There are some analog shit going, and it's all connected to yeah, a, synthesizers, mother, organ samples. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, we're now looking for a way to. And tomorrow we have a our first tryout, so we are now ready for it. And we've been trying to combine those electronics and still have the playfulness of improvising and playing with each other. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it really is. <laughs>
0: Amiel, um, you know, do you, you mind me asking? Are you are you performing on your keyboard and processing their sounds at the same time, or like what? Is, what is the interconnectedness that Bart refers to? What What is that about?
1: There is, for instance, the drummer has a, a little pad that he is a, he triggers samples like an electronic clap or other things. So that's that's a sort of electronic drumming he does. I switched for everybody. I switched the sounds per song. And so he has another set of samples. It's, it's all central <laughs> with me. And also, when Bart is not playing the saxophone, he can, but I'm playing a solo, for instance, or or there's a part where he is not playing, then he can play on the keyboard and also extra stuff that's in the song. And also, yeah, at one point in one song, I process also his sex sound, like put Put a, a massive reverb on one
2: spot. <laughs> Funny fact was that we did uh, in the studio, we did one track and uh, I play with a harmonizer. So this sounds a little bit like extra synthesizer, but we, I couldn't do it at the same time. It was too complicated. So now we sampled that harmonizer note for note and Emil wanted to play it with me as a counter melody. But then Emil had to play at <laughs> a certain period. So we were stuck again. So then we gave it to <laughs> Matteo so he's playing the bass, he's playing the other counter melody. So we have a melody divided over three three guys in the band. <laughs> it's fun. That's a lot of fun. Also a process. If if it's if it's too
1: it must not be too gimmicky, we have to watch out for that.
0: But there's a real commitment to a, a combination of sort of spontaneity and improvisation plus this element of triggers and defined sort of inputs but it also a very interesting commitment to blending the electronic with the organic that i find very intriguing it's very
2: interesting yeah because also electronic you don't have the power to change dynamic so easily as you do with a horn you can or with a voice you can be dynamic you can be busy you can be quiet there are so many possibilities that a, a sample doesn't have, for instance. So you have to create those samples that can be available for the flow that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, and not overplay or over overprocess. I would imagine is a challenge.
1: You can lose yourself in that.
0: I mean, are you a are you a gearhead? Are you a collector? Do you do you accumulate lots of electronics or like how how yeah? How, what's your experience there? Is it is it a discipline you have to have?
1: <laughs> Addiction. <laughs> yeah, I did so now not so much anymore or maybe. No, not so much No, But like one, one thing a year or so maybe. I did have a, a phase in life <laughs> when I collected a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, and really like it. I'm also I studied electronics uh, before I did music, so that's my second love is electronics. I I also repair all the and and restore all the things I buy.
2: Oh, wow. It's like Zen with the soldering iron and figuring out the problem. Oscar's still waiting for his Parfisa for two months now. Yeah, (laughs) sorry, a little bit busy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I really love it. And also I'm really handy with computers and stuff. I've always been. So this is, I feel really comfortable with, with complex stuff on stage. I don't have any fear at all. So that that that's one thing you have to have else you wouldn't, uh, you shouldn't do this. <laughs> it's too much, too much stress. I don't feel it that much.
0: How much gear will you bring to the gig tomorrow? Like, you know, seeing those studio videos and just what you showed me over camera, you have a lot of equipment.
2: What's your live rig? Uh, uh, shall I go first, Bart? Yes. I'll have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, as
1: uh, to be honest, as little as possible, I, it's a Fender Rhodes. The real one and it's midified also, so I can play different sounds on the fender, and then mute the original sound and then play, it. for instance, a clavinet or a willitzer sound on the vendors. And then a synthesizer, a um, virtual analog, a uh, Roland system eight thing. It's really, I can do anything I want with it. It's, it's my bread and butter thing. And the other keyword is the the third one and last one is uh, a board stage, but I only use it as MIDI controller. So it could be any keyboard whatsoever. And that's the one I have uh, with me at the time. So okay. I use it. But I don't use any sounds of it. All the sounds come from the from that one, come from the computer. The rest, of the roads and the synthesizer are the uh, producer of sound. Yeah, that's it. And then a, a laptop and a USB hub. Right, <laughs> uh, right. And right. uh, a <laughs> yeah, sound card. That's it. <laughs> yeah. On the Fender, as
0: is it. Do you do you go to that because you can get a feel you want? Like you don't, so you don't play the Nord necessarily. It's it's basically your it's the box you're you're drawing from.
1: Exactly, exactly. So the Rhodes, really, people are good in, in making it the stuff in in, in virtual plugins to the older instruments, the pianos, the to the bed. It sounds nice, but a play if you play it, the real thing is uncomparable to a plugin. So yeah, yeah that's why it really. It's just laid so good over PA speakers as well. It really carries. And then if you do it from a computer, it doesn't have so much impact.
0: Yeah, I love keyboard <laughs> rigs. So <laughs> I'm no, always cool, curious cool, yeah. as to how much is coming from the box versus the actual, the actual instrument. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I, I I play solos a lot on the road, so I want it to be real. Did you midify the roads yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wired yeah you yeah, figured <laughs> yeah. as a horn player bart are you like what's your obsession are you like is it about the mouthpiece the reed do you sleep with your instrument you know are you <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: yes yes and yes and yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> no sometimes i complain on my reeds but no i play the same reeds for years i play the same mouthpiece for years i'm i'm not changing anymore i found my horn Got a good repairman. That's it. I also play like effects on the uh, on the uh, sax. And now I'm I'm building a a case for the analog side. So I'm still a big fan of the music of Eddie Harris. So I was always looking for what kind of effects he was using in the '60s. I even bought a Fairytone amp, which is a huge thing. And I, I I won't be bringing that to the gig. But I, I I'll bring my a maestro for woodwinds effect, which is a really but great. Sort of the same thing without the speaker, isn't it? It's different, actually. The very tone was created by Selmer, a saxophone brand, oh. and the, the Maestro is, was created by Gibson back in the 60s. Cool. Eddie Harris, for instance, used them both, and it's, it's limited. You cannot do so much with it, but the sound that it creates is still really, really rich. And I like it, especially in combination with the Roland Space Echo, what we use. So I got some pedals for that. And I use a piezo element in my sax that's connected to these effects and also the harmonizer. And then I can switch to the clean sound on my DPA microphone. So this is what I'm mainly worried about at the moment and not so much the reeds or the mouthpiece. (laughs) And when I sleep, my horn is in the the corner of the room, so we kind of (laughs) can separate our private life and... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: I I sort of just to get a little bit more of the history lesson from you it didn't occur to me that that jazz musicians were using effects that way were they was Eddie Harris using
2: that rig live or was that just for the studio yeah also live go to YouTube and see the live recordings of course famous ones with Les McCann live in Switzerland but also you you'll see I was like freezing these images to see what he was using. Yeah, so sometimes he, he he brought them live and especially in the studio, only could have dreamed to be there one day and see what he was doing because it, it's so rich in different kinds of sounds. He must have been exploring the whole studio and all what he could do with it. But also other musicians, like uh, there is this nice live record of Cannibal Adelie playing with Lou Ross, for instance, live in New Orleans. I, I thought, and he's also playing the Veritone amp and also Sonny Stitt did a record with it. Clark Terry played with the Veritone amp. So there was a period in the late 60s, 70s, I guess, where there were already explorations on that on that field. And, and I've always played with effects because we used to have a group here in Holland and we were all already like using these stomp pedals, little boss pedals, guitar pedals, everything to see what it did on the horn it's a line where you it can be very cheap in my opinion so put a pedal on it with a wah wah on the on the on the saxophone sounds a little bit easy it's not the sound that i prefer live
0: are you able to articulate with with the electronics are you able to to articulate what is it you're going for what what is it that what what is it adding
2: for you that's interesting sound Texture, sound, yeah, yeah. It's it's it can make your sound richer, and also I've in our studio we're also producing, so I've always been interested in the sound of a group and the sound of everything. Sound is so important to me, and 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 I think when you go, for instance, to a music school, conservatory, the main focus is main is usually to get your technique together, to get your embouchure together, which obviously also has Something to do with sound, but I mean, there are so many fields that are uh, underestimated. Could you say something like this? I mean, if you listen to singers, they're mainly concerned about sound. This is how you reach people. It's not always about technique. Um, if you listen to Tom Waits, for instance, so th- that fascinates me. And also, the the what can I do with the, the sound of the horn? What can I do with the the sound of the mouth alone with neck? but also and and these these effects are like a extension of that i'm i'm curious about what is the scene like where you
0: both are you know are 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 you sort of lone operators out in the wilderness or are you part of a larger community is it vibrant how how would you categorize what it's like in your creative environment and your creative world is it a good time
1: yeah i guess so i was very much active in a in a pop music and rock music, even the country scene for the last decade, I'm sort of re-interesting myself back into the scene a bit. And I think, Bart, you you really stayed in in the jazz. So yeah. more
2: people <laughs> in the jazz than me. Well, everybody knows each other here, I guess. Like, there are many musicians, but the scene is not that big. And there are a lot of musicians actually in the Netherlands, a lot of venues. But like everywhere i guess the traditional jazz venues are kind of disappearing a little bit uh instead there are popping up some really nice festivals crossover festivals festivals with indie rock pop hip hop jazz world music whatever so that's kind of interesting but yeah and concerning the, the 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 music scene there is a really good music scene it's very interesting all these things that are happening i guess
1: yeah, and we contacted Mark, the drummer, and he's a he's a mutual friend of us. And we played with him separately also. And then he was enthusiastic about joining the band. And then we would search for a bass player. And that's the thing. You know everybody and you want something. We were looking for something new. And then he came in because he is teaching at the musical school of Amsterdam. So... He knew a guy he like oh, yeah, that's a student of mine. He's, he just uh, graduated, so we have a, a very young bass player now. And, 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 and maybe really uh,
2: typical typical for the scene is that Mark is a is one of the best jazz drummers we have, but he used to play bass in a in a in the band of We Fall. We Fall is a really popular dance act, which and I think they toured through the states as well. So they they becoming quite big. And he was playing bass and sometimes drums. So his openness to all sorts of music is really what draws to him. So the record comes out at the end
0: of February. Is that, is that, am I correct? February 24th. Sound yeah, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Correct. And is today's single drop, the last song we'll get in advance? Is it now we have to wait another month or so? <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so.
1: We drop another video. Uh- Hopefully, if it if it turns out uh, that we can use it
2: when the album releases, isn't it? Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. And I, I think what they do is, but that is something the label said, when we drop the album, automatically a new single will be launched as well. So together, I guess. Yes, yes man. we're getting old. We don't know about all, all these <laughs> strategies and <laughs> tactics.
0: <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, I'm, I'm going to look forward to that. And we will make sure that in the... uh in the episode notes, people know where to find the music and learn more about the two of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for making time to do
2: this. I really appreciate it. No, oh,
1: no worries. <laughs> it was great. Thank you.
2: It's so nice to talk to uh, you, you being so enthusiastic and open. So thank you. <laughs>
0: Well good luck. break a leg tomorrow night. I hope that all the electronics deliver what they're supposed
2: to so that the band can deliver what it needs to. <laughs> well, that's the advantage of, a, of of a jazz group. We can always relate on our acoustics, yeah. you know. That's so, a good I'm point. Totally yeah, really. if
0: the electronics break down, you could still you could still no play. Problem. That's that's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful.
1: <laughs> Thank
0: you so much, Bart Verts, Emil von Reithoven, and Vaughn. As always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On, which is presented by Osiris Media. Executive producers are Lawrence Furrier, RJB, Brian Brinkman, and Matt Dwyer. Producers are Lawrence Puryear and Michael Donaldson. Our theme music is by Q-Burn's Abstract Message. If you like what you've heard, please share us with a friend and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to visit us online at spotlightonpodcast.com or... At Spotlight on Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening, be safe, and stay in touch.